episode 50. Hagrid got up, went across to the chest of drawers beside his bed, and began searching for something inside it. They didn't pay too much attention until a truly horrible smell reached their nostrils. Coughing, Ron said, <coughs> Hagrid, what's that? Eh? said Hagrid, turning around with a large bottle in his hand. Don't you like it? Is that aftershave? said Hermione in a slightly choked voice. Out of cologne, Hagrid muttered. He was blushing. Maybe it's a bit much, he said gruffly. I'll go take it off. Hang on. He stumped out of the cabin, and they saw him washing himself vigorously in the water barrel outside the window. Out of cologne, said Hermione in amazement. Hagrid? And what's with the hair and the suit, said Harry in an undertone. Look, said Ron suddenly, pointing out of the window. Hagrid had just straightened up and turned around. If he had been blushing before, it was nothing to what he was doing now. Getting to their feet very cautiously so that Hagrid wouldn't spot them, Harry, Ron, and Hermione peered through the window and saw that Madame Maxime and the Beauveton students had just emerged from their carriage, clearly about to set off for the feast, too. They couldn't hear what Hagrid was saying, but he was talking to Madame Maxime with a rapt, misty-eyed expression Harry had only ever seen him wear once before, when he had been looking at the baby dragon, Norbert. He's going up to the castle with her, said Hermione indignantly. I thought he was waiting for us. Without so much as a backward glance at his cabin, Hagrid was trudging off up the grounds with Madame Maxime, the Beauxbaton students following in their wake, jogging to keep up with their enormous strides. Hey, fancy, sir, said Ron incredulously. Well, if they end up having children, they'll be setting a world record. Bet any baby of theirs would weigh about a ton. They let themselves out of the cabin and shut the door behind them. It was surprisingly dark outside. Drawing their cloaks more closely around themselves, they set up off the sloping lawns. Ooh, it's them. Look, Hermione whispered. The Durmstrang party were walking up toward the castle from the lake. Victor Crumb was walking side by side with Karkaroff, and the other Durmstrang students were straggling along behind them. Ron watched excitedly, but Crumb did not look around as he reached the front doors a little ahead of Hermione, Ron, and Harry, and proceeded through them. When they entered the candle-lit great hall, it was almost full. The goblet of fire had been moved, it was now standing in front of Dumbledore's empty chair at the teacher's table. Fred and George, clean-shaven again, seemed to have taken their disappointment fairly well. How is Angelina, said Fred, as Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat down. So do I, said Hermione breathlessly. Well, we'll soon know. The Halloween feast seemed to take much longer than usual. Perhaps because it was their second feast in two days, Harry didn't seem to fancy the extravagantly prepared food as much as he would normally have done. Like everyone else in the hall, judging by the 
constantly craning necks, the impatient expressions on every face, the fidgeting and the standing up to see whether Dumbledore had finished eating yet, Harry simply wanted the plates to clear and to hear who had been selected as champions. At long last, the golden plates returned to their original spotless state. There was a sharp upswing in the level of noise within the hall, which died away almost instantly as Dumbledore got to his feet. On either side of him, Professor Karkaroff and Madame Maxime looked as tense and expectant as anyone. Ludo Bagman was beaming and winking at various students. Mr. Crouch, however, looked quite uninterested, almost bored. Well, the goblet is almost ready to make its decision, said Dumbledore. I estimate that it requires one more minute. Now, when the champions' names are called, I would ask them to please come up to the top of the hall, walk along the staff table, and go through into the next chamber. He indicated the door behind the staff table, where they will be receiving their first instructions. He took out his wand and gave a great sweeping wave with it at once, all the candles except those inside the carved pumpkins were extinguished, plunging them all into a state of semi-darkness. The goblet of fire now shone more brightly than anything in the whole hall. The sparkling, bright, bluey whiteness of the flames almost painful on the eyes. Everyone watched, waiting. A few people kept checking their watches. Any second, Lee Jordan whispered, two seats away from Harry. The flames inside the goblet turned suddenly red again. Sparks began to fly from it. Next moment, a tongue of flame shot into the air. A charred piece of parchment fluttered out of it. The whole room gasped. Dumbledore caught the piece of parchment and held it at arm's length so that he could read it by the light of the flames, which had turned back to blue-white. The champion for Durmstrang, he read in a strong, clear voice, will be Victor Crumb. No surprises there, yelled Ron, as a storm of applause and cheering swept the hall. Harry saw Victor Crumb rise from the Slytherin table and slouch up toward Dumbledore. He turned right, walked along the staff table, and disappeared through the door into the next chamber. Bravo, Victor, boomed Karkaroff, so loudly that everyone could hear him, even over all the applause. No, you had it in you. The clapping and chatting died down. Now, everyone's attention was focused again on the goblet, which seconds later turned red once more. A second piece of parchment shot out of it, propelled by the flames. The champion for Beaubetons, said Dumbledore, is Fleur de la Coeur. It's her, Ron, Harry shouted, as the girl who so resembled Avila got gracefully to her feet, shook back her sheet of silvery blonde hair, and swept up between the Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff tables. Oh, look, they're all disappointed, Hermione said over the noise, nodding toward the remainder of the Bobitons' party. <laughs> disappointed was a 
bit of an understatement, Harry thought. Two of the girls who had not been selected had dissolved into tears and were sobbing with their heads on their arms. When Fleur Delacour, too, had vanished into the side chamber, silence fell again. But this time, it was a silence so stiff with excitement you could almost taste it. The Hogwarts champion next. And the goblet of fire turned red once more. Sparks showered out of it. The tongue of flame shot high into the air. And from its tip, Dumbledore pulled the third piece of parchment. The Hogwarts champion, he called, is Cedric Diggory. No, said Ron loudly, but nobody heard him except Harry. The uproar from the next table was too great. Every single Hufflepuff had jumped to his or her feet, screaming and stamping as Cedric made his way past them, grinning broadly, and headed off toward the chamber behind the teacher's table. Indeed, the applause for Cedric went on so long that it was some time before Dumbledore could make himself heard again. Excellent, Dumbledore called happily, as at last the tumult died down. Well, we now have our three champions. I am sure I can count on all of you, including the remaining students from Beauvetons and Durmstrang, to give your champions every ounce of support you can muster. By cheering your champion on, you will contribute in a very real way. But Dumbledore suddenly stopped speaking, and it was apparent to everybody what had distracted him. The fire in the goblet had just turned red again. Sparks were flying out of it. A long flame shot suddenly into the air, and borne upon it was another piece of parchment. Automatically, it seemed, Dumbledore reached out a long hand and seized the parchment. He held it out and stared at the name written upon it. There was a long pause, during which Dumbledore stared at the slip in his hands, and everyone in the room stared at Dumbledore. And then Dumbledore cleared his throat and read out, <clears> throat> Harry Potter. <clears throat> 